0: Hello, and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. With your host, Kenneth Bocor. This is episode 37, recorded on March the 4th, 2022. This episode of the EV Revolution Show is sponsored by File Sanctuary. Need a great web host for your business? need to get email at yourdomain.com? They provide professional, feature-rich web and email hosting for any project you have in mind. Get started today at filesanctuary.net forward slash cloud and save 10% with promo code EVREVSHOW. All right, and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show. As you heard, my name is Ken Corey, your host for another edition of covering advancements in the world of electric vehicles and that marketplace. And I'm very excited today to have another special guest. You folks know I always comb the world to have great guests on this show. And I had talked about the RV industry a few episodes ago and then reached out to a company called Winnebago. I'm sure everybody or almost everybody listening has heard of this company. And I'm very uh, pleased to have Mr. Ashish Bhattacharya. He's the Senior VP of Business Development and Advanced Technologies at Winnebago Industries. Good morning, sir. How are you?
1: I can good morning. It's wonderful to be on the show. We've been uh, watching your show for a while and it's a terrific show. It's really great to be on the show. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you very much. Uh, Compliments will get you everywhere. That's uh, the norm for me. But I do appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with me about exciting announcements that you guys have done at Winnebago Industries, you know, to kind of advance the technologies into the EV revolution. But what I'd like to start, uh, maybe if I can, Hashish, is just for some of the listeners that may or may not be well aware of what you guys do, where you come from, maybe you could start with a little history and what, what really the business that you guys are in.
1: Yeah, that would be great. So Winnebago Industries uh, started in the late 50s in northern Iowa. I'm based in Minneapolis Mm -hmm. and a small city called Forest City, which is over the Iowa border about two hours south of Minneapolis. And a group of local businessmen wanted to boost the local economy. And they started this trailer manufacturing company. And it's just one of those quintessential Small town American uh, stories, Mm -hmm. which started there, but from there, this is a company that has now become just a category-defining company in the RV space. You know, RVs are called Winnebagos. Everybody, even if it's not made by Winnebago, it's called Winnebago. Mm -hmm. And so, it's been this amazing story of this company, which you know went on uh, to become very well known. Um, The company today uh, is headquartered in Minneapolis. And uh, we have operations in RVs as well as marine. So we have a couple of uh, you know mm-hmm. RV businesses and marine businesses. We have manufacturing now in Northern Iowa, Indiana, a number of uh, facilities, and then Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brands that we have, we have the Winnebago brand in motorhomes as well as uh, trailers or towables. Uh, We have the Grand Design brand. We have the Newmar brand. So those are our RV brands. And then when you go on to marine. Uh, we have Chris Craft and Barletta. Mm -hmm. And so this is a company which, you know, today uh, it's been a public company for 50 years. So there is a lot of uh, information around. And an interesting anecdote is that when the company went public, uh, Forest City was one of the cities that had the most millionaires per capita at the time, uh, you know, because of the employees (laughs) of Winnebago. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we are, you know, a company that's uh, really grown a lot. And uh, we are known basically for our, Uh, innovation, quality, and service in the industry. And so it's a really interesting time to be at uh, Winnebago.
0: It absolutely is. And it is a great uh, and very pronounced history, really. Uh, You're absolutely right. When people think of recreational vehicles, they do intermix Winnebago in that same sentence. And I'm, I'm a culprit of that. Uh, because you're just synonymous with that industry, right? It's, because it's you're one of the founding, if not the founding company in there. Um, and I know that you get into, you know, class A, class B, I believe class C from the motorhome and then various size towables and and, and other and travel trailers and things like that. So you cover a wide market. So being a traditional, um, I mean, obviously, uh, recreational, I guess let's set up the electrification side, because in order to, to advance that business, um, there's got to be a need for it, right? And I, I take it you're seeing a huge upswing in the RV business overall over these last few years, and that trend should continue?
1: Yes, that's that's right. And what, what has happened is that for RVs, um, we really want to be focused, almost obsessed with customer needs because you know the customer is the reason we exist as a company. And I think uh, we just really need to understand customer needs and trends and uh, directions they're going in. So Winnebago has always succeeded in the past when we have identified new chassis or platforms ahead of other companies and have been able to build out compelling products on those platforms. Mm. So as an example, the Mercedes Sprinter, which is a very well-known uh, you know, internal combustion engine platform, Winnebago was the first company to come out with a Sprinter-based RV. Mm-hmm. And we had put in a lot of work into integrating uh, that platform. And by the time other companies came out, it took them you know, three, four years before they came. So when you look at this, you know, a, a huge number of these platforms, the Sprinter, the Dodge, uh, you know, the Ram Promaster, uh, the Ford Transit, Uh, the all-wheel drive sprinter, we've had experience with identifying these platforms. Mm -hmm. And so when we looked at electrification, we were trying to do the same thing, which is, you know, look really out three to five years, uh, anticipate customer needs and think about what we might do with that. So when you buy an RV, you're actually buying two things. You're buying a chassis uh, and on the chassis, you're buying a house, which is really upfit By the manufacturer like Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've got a little uh, model here of our uh, ERV concept vehicle. So, you'll see that the bottom chassis is really made uh, by companies like, you know, Ford, uh, Mercedes, Dodge, Freightliner, those kinds of companies. And then we have the top, which is integrated. Mm -hmm. The top of the house is actually quite complex because when you think about a small apartment, this is a small apartment moving down the road. Uh, you know, at 60, 70 miles an hour. And so it has appliances, it has a sleeping area, it has infotainment, it has a fully functioning, uh, you know, bathroom with uh, hot water and showers. It has a sink. So this is a really, really complex system. And uh, for me, really, that's interesting because, you know, whenever people talk about building uh, EV, EVs, cars or trucks, um, I joke with them. I said, that's fine. Does it have a hot water shower in it? Uh, (laughs) So, you know, the the complexities are there. Mm -hmm. And so we were really looking at this early on and we wanted to start getting into this area. As you were saying, the RV industry overall has definitely benefited in the last few years from overall growth. And with COVID, what happened was that the moment COVID came in, we actually closed our factories immediately. You know, we wanted our uh, employees to be safe and we were closed for a while. And then, as we started opening, we started hearing about this demand coming in from the dealerships and from everywhere. And I think what happened was for people that uh, an RV was a safe haven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a small, you know contained system which you were in control of. You controlled who went in and went out and you could sanitize it and you could sleep in it. It had a restroom, you know you didn't have to go to uh, planes and hotels. you could work from it, you know, we have Wi-Fi. So because of all of these things, we've been seeing a big boost in demand for sure. Mm -hmm. So while that conventional internal combustion engine is going on, we wanted to have a group of people on the side uh, who were thinking about the future. And so it's a little bit of a, you know, uh, it's two engines of growth or two engines an ambidextrous approach to growing the company, which is take care of the core business. And at the same time, have a group of people thinking about the future. Mm
0: And I'm curious: Was any of that uh, interest to go into the EV realm? Any additional effort there? Did any of that come from customers? Did you hear any customers saying, "Gee, we'd love to see an EV platform"? Yes, uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting you say that. So this story actually
1: starts almost uh, five years back, mm-hmm. and Winnebago has a division called Specialty Vehicles, and it's not a you know a very well-known division outside. Uh, to the consumer, because what we do in that division is we take the shell of an RV and we industrialize and commercialize that shell. So, you know, we'll make more rigid flooring, better suspension, larger air conditioning. And that platform is used for business-to-business applications, B2B applications, like we do mobile medical clinics, mobile opioid outreach, uh, preschools you know, mm-hmm. uh, doctor's offices, pharmacies, so those kinds of applications. Mm-hmm. In that business, uh, I was heading that business for a while. And in that business, we went to a company called Motive Power Systems out of California. And they make big chassis, which are Ford chassis, which then they convert into uh, electric. Mm-hmm. And basically, we worked with them to build out a few vehicles uh, uh, on the all-electric platform. Wow. One of the interesting applications we did was uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, This is a surgical instrument sterilization lab on wheels. And basically what happens is, you know, there are surgical instruments that are reused. Mm -hmm. And between uses, they need to be sterilized and taken care of properly. Uh, This is done in hospitals, but small hospitals don't have the facility to do that. And so we put all of that equipment onto a mobile platform. And the great benefit of this is all that equipment runs off the electric uh, propulsion system. Uh, The vehicle, when it's parked in front of the hospital, it's not running the engine. So there's no fumes, no exhaust and no idling. So it's, you know, just quietly does its job and goes away. And then you save valuable real estate in the hospital. And so we got into these electric applications, you know, for a few years. And that gave us a lot of comfort in terms of the technology and being able to understand you know, batteries, inverters, motors, integrating them and things like that. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you know, there were customers of ours who were coming and saying, so when is Winnebago coming out with an all electric? And we were in discussions with them to say, okay, tell us a little bit more, you know, because Mm. for us, what happens is uh, we depend on the OEMs to give us the chassis. So till there's a chassis, you know, we can't do anything because we don't develop our own chassis. Right. And so we were trying to find out. So we did a lot of customer research in terms of the range and what you would do. And it's interesting when you started off, you know, you were saying that uh, there are a lot of uh, RVers and a lot of people thinking about RVs. uh, And the traditional use case of an RV, the traditional customer was someone who, you know, is a little bit uh, older and, you know, the kids are growing up and going and then they'll go and get an RV. I assure you that that has changed very significantly now. Mm-hmm. And we see a lot of younger people coming in. We are seeing people use these for you know weekend trips. They'll go for a kayaking trip or a biking trip. Uh, I see people using it actually as a daily runaround. You know, they're taking kids to travel soccer games over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so with that sort of a use case, We were trying to see what sort of an initial concept vehicle we can come out with. And we did feel that there was enough in there for us to at least build out this concept vehicle and bring it to the stage where we can say, okay, we've got a first version of a vehicle. Why don't we work with our customers and dealers to try and then refine it and say, okay, tell us what more you'd like to see in the vehicle.
0: Yeah, you know, that that's a great lead up to the introduction of the ERV, which happened just a short time ago. And uh, I think it's important for listeners to understand that, you know, what you've come up with, as you mentioned, is based on all that research and feedback and understanding the different markets within the RV industry and the different use cases, because you're absolutely right. There are a lot of um, shorter range trip cases, use cases, weekend cases You know, we talked about uh, where we live. I live outside of Toronto. And, you know, within an hour and a half to two, two and a half hours, I'm in Cottage country at various different locations throughout uh, central and southern Ontario. I don't need to drive eight hours to get somewhere to to fish on a lake. I I can drive an hour and a half and be there. So I think that's relevant to this particular introduction of the ERV um, because it is based uh, on, as you mentioned, the 4D transit chassis. And then you guys have worked your magic around that to provide a very comfortable and a very um, uh, upscale living environment that I've seen from the pictures and videos so far. Uh, but maybe you could tell us a little bit more about the the ER, uh, ERV, the specs, and kind of the thought process there.
1: Sure. that will be terrific. So we started uh, looking at the specifications and chassis selection in about 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. So it's been, you know, three or four years back. At that time, you will remember that there was no Ford e-Transit. There was no Mercedes e-Sprinter. There was nothing available. And so for us, the question was, what chassis platform do we really get? Because without the chassis platform, we can't do anything on it. Mm -hmm. And so after a long uh, selection process, we found a company called Lightning Uh, e-Motors. And Lightning e-Motors, what they do is they get regular Ford uh, Transit chassis. And they convert it with their all-electric drivetrain and propulsion system. And so we work very closely with Lightning uh, to evolve that chassis. And, you know, of course, Lightning is uh, a company that's focused on fleet applications. Mm -hmm. And so we had to uh, educate them about the RV industry. And we did a lot of joint work in terms of it because, as you'll understand, you know, we have some systems on the RV, like a hot water heater, you know, when it starts up. Uh, there is a huge current surge. It pulls Mm -hmm. a lot of power. Or when you have a microwave or an induction cooktop, I mean, these are appliances that take up a lot of power. And so we worked together to look at, you know, the profiles of how it uses power, et cetera. And for us, the easy answer would have been new chassis, just put the old house on the chassis and then go ahead, right? Because it's a concept vehicle, it's the first one. But we didn't want to do that. We felt that really the right thing to do uh, and you know for a vehicle to uh, have a winnebago badge it's got to really earn that badge that badge mm-hmm. doesn't come easy and so we went back to scratch and said okay if we were really designing an rv from the ground up for the electric vehicle era what would we do and so what we did was on this vehicle there are no fossil fuels whatsoever mm-hmm. there's no generator there's no propane there's it's it's mm-hmm. a pure 100% battery electric vehicle and so we had to select all of the appliances once again for this environment mm-hmm. and so what we kept doing was we we did some work you know select something uh, go and do some customer checking you know come back so it was a very iterative process at the same time on the side we were really doing some extensive research you know where we talked to a couple of thousand customers uh, in terms of their first feel Of an all-electric RV. You know, what does that look like to you? You know, what would be some of the the things over there? Mm -hmm. And we worked on this for a couple of years. COVID, of course, didn't help because, you know, our chassis got delayed and all of that stuff happened. Mm -hmm. But while we're calling this a concept vehicle, it's important to note that this is a fully finished vehicle. As you said, you know, the interior uh, is pretty upscale. We've looked a lot at materials and sustainable materials the layout the floor plan the charging uh, we've already by the time we launched it in tampa we had already driven it multiple thousands of miles and so it's a real you know usable vehicle today but we respect the fact a lot that between building 2 and 2000 there is a big gulf and you know <laughs> yeah. for us our manufacturing engineering guys our operations guys they really need to look at that and they need to come up with a model that makes sense And so we were comfortable taking this ERV to Tampa and, you know, showing it off. And you'll see in some of the videos, uh, we shot these videos in Arizona. And so this is, you know, it's a street legal vehicle that we can Mm -hmm. put a number plate on and actually drive around. And so we're pretty happy with the way it turned out ultimately.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful looking vehicle. You know, I know on some of the specs, um, uh, the, the battery pack itself is 86 kilowatt hours. Uh, giving an estimated 125 miles of real-world range. Uh, And again, that's inclusive of also operating all the systems that you just mentioned that will operate 100% fully off of that battery pack um, in in travel environments. Charging time up to 30 to 45 minutes. It can fast charge. It can level 2. I mean, the good thing about campsites is pretty well they all have power (laughs) and they all have pretty good power, Uh, basically a little bit higher than your normal 110, but 110 at the worst case. So, you know, when people travel to a campsite, they plug in and then they're there for a day or two or three or more. So um, anything can charge up within that time. You've also incorporated a lot of technology uh, to, based on what I've seen in the footage and, and read uh, into the ERV, not only from a monitoring system, but as you mentioned, to upscale. Can you talk a little bit more about some of that technology?
1: Sure. I'll start with the charging. So charging, you, know, you, you very rightly mentioned that uh, an RV use case is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a lot of RVs, uh, you'll see a, a sticker that says, not all those who wander are lost. And, you know, the whole point of getting into an RV is you're enjoying the outdoors. Uh, You're not always, you know, mission driven, saying I need to go 325 miles and get to so and so point. Sometimes that might be. But in general, you know, people are there to enjoy the outdoors. So when you look at charging options, there is a home charger. Uh, There are, you know, high uh, capacity chargers. Uh, The the charging uh, plug is a standard, industry standard, you know, J1772 charger. So when you look at networks that are coming up like Electrify America, EVgo, etc., it's compatible with them. But most importantly, as you were saying, every RV park has power. And RV parks have, you know, 30 amps or 50 amps, Mm -hmm. uh, what is called shore power in the industry to connect uh, there. And we have provided an interface cable, which when you get uh, there... Uh, you can just plug that in. So you plug into the 30 or 50 amp, the batteries are charging. At the same time, you can run the systems. And so it's really very easy uh, for people when they go to RV park. So any RV park anywhere in the uh, country, you can just go there and you can charge. So that's on the on the charging. On the batteries and the range, you know, we've we've said 125 miles range. And as you've said very often on your shows, this varies widely with, you know, ambient weather conditions, we have so many subsystems running. But the point I keep making to uh, our customers and dealers is, one, we selected this chassis almost three years back. Mm-hmm. So today, if I went and just ordered the same chassis, the range would be about 175 miles. Mm-hmm. Number two, battery technologies are increasing and in sophistication so significantly that in the next couple of years, you know, by the time we come to a commercial launch of this vehicle, I'm very confident that you're going to see, you know, newer chemistries, you know, better battery, power density, etc. So it doesn't concern me as much in terms of the range. Mm. And then when you look at industry data from the RV Industry Association of America, they have data which says that, you know, roughly half, you know, 53% of RV owners, their average journey is actually 200 miles or less. And Mm. so there is... The perception that you know people really go on these long cross-country journeys, and there are people who go for that, Mm -hmm. uh, but there equally are people who go for shorter trips. When you come to the interior, in the interior, what we really wanted to see is you know space is at a real premium here, right? And Mm -hmm. so we want we really uh, needed to look at uh, the art of sacrifice. So (laughs) somebody you know somebody asked a a sculptor once. They said. how do you carve an elephant? And he said, it's actually very simple. You just take a block of marble and a chisel, a hammer, and remove everything that doesn't look like an elephant.
0: And so, <laughs> exactly. you an elephant.
1: And so for us, it yep. was more really coming down to the essentials, which mm-hmm. says, okay, right now for us, you know, what is the essential that we need? And we really felt that there were two things from a, a customer perspective we needed to cover. There needed to be a good living space and living space, which says um, sitting, you know, chatting with a friend, uh, working, cooking, sleeping. Mm -hmm. So those were sort of the things that we looked at. And of course, you know, the the restrooms of being able to take a shower and uh, use the restroom. Mm -hmm. And then around that, we said, let's look at appliances for each of those. And what can we do with those appliances? And so we went and selected them. So you'll see, for example, if I bring my model back, uh, you'll see on the top, uh, there is an air conditioner. So that's an uh, electric, you know, 48-volt air conditioner.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you open, uh, open the inside, uh, you'll see, you know, here that there is a, a seating area here. There is a table. There, there is a cooking area. And so this one is, uh, you know, it's, it's a completed vehicle. That really allows you to do all of the things that you want uh, in a very compact space.
0: Yeah, I think that's key, you know, maximizing the use of that space to give you all the amenities and the features and functions that you need. Uh, Because, again, a lot of people don't necessarily want to get into a 40-footer or something as big as that or even beyond for, for, uh, for RVing. They're harder to drive, maneuver, park. You got to usually tow a car around. And as you said, you can use this vehicle as a multi-function vehicle because it is small enough to go to Costco and, and you know, load up or take the kids to school or soccer or whatever. Um, and, you know, I love that it's 100%, you know, zero emission vehicle, which is what we're we're driving for um and you know as we talked about before i pushed the record button you know uh, we used to have a 22-foot towable travel trailer in our family towing right. the minivan and we we had some beautiful uh, uh years of, of vacationing and, and going out and you're absolutely right um it wasn't that we need to get to our destination in five hours or whatever whatever it was it was it's all about leisure right that's that's where the l comes in in that marketplace is leisure so uh, I think you've really hit a great formula here. Now you mentioned that um, uh, currently you're dealing with the Lightning chassis. Is there is because Ford is ramping up their E Transit production now uh, to a more more larger scale and dealing with fleets. Are you looking to capture some of their uh, units as well in the future? Is there something going on there?
1: Yeah. So I would say that when you look at our internal combustion engine business, you know mm-hmm. we work with uh, Ford, we work with Mercedes, Dodge. Mm -hmm. Freightliner, Spartan. Uh, We work with a variety of uh, chassis makers. In the EV space, what I see as the evolution is that uh, there are two groups of companies that are coming up. One is the companies which are existing automotive OEMs, you know, Ford, Mercedes, uh, Stellantis. Uh, All of them have announced uh, electric uh, uh, models and lineups and they will come up with them. On the other hand, uh, there are the sort of pure play EV companies, you know, Tesla, Rivian, Arrival, Canoe, and all of those companies. Yes. What we need to look at is we need to look at chassis that are appropriate. And typically for us in the past, chassis have been van or truck chassis have typically been Mm -hmm. the starting point. And the RV industry, you know, it's it's a large industry, but compared to automotive, uh, it's pretty small. So in the last year, 2021. Uh, The United States market all in was about 600,000 units, and that's including motorhomes as well as towables. And towables or trailers will make up around 80% of that market. So let's just say, you know, 500,000 and 100,000 in round numbers. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we will always look for different chassis options for our customers. We think initially that the smaller chassis are going to go electric first. Mm -hmm. But over time, you know, I mean, now, there are large buses uh, that are going yes. electric and they've done some recent tests where uh, they took a bus and they drove it, uh, you know, thousand kilometers, you know, 600, 700 miles on a single charge. And so over time, I really do see that all of our vehicles will go electric. I think the timing on that will be uh, dependent on chassis availability for us. Mm-hmm. But really in the class B or the van uh, type
0: chassis, we do see these coming early on. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because that's kind of like the low hanging fruit, right? You know, it's easier to implement an electrification strategy on that type of vehicle, and that type of class. Um, and, you know, we're, we're not there yet with, you know, a fully sustainable output of larger, you know, class A type vehicles from an all, all electric perspective. I mean, school buses and, and trucks and things are still ramping up. Uh, part of that is supply chain, right? Because now everybody wants a piece of the electrification pie uh,
1: yeah.
0: with cars and vehicles and all kinds of things happening around the globe. So this whole thing's going to continue to carry on for quite some time. But, you know, you guys starting to make those advancements as early as you did and making, you know, making the announcement in the concept vehicle. Uh, it sounded like you said earlier that you're probably a couple of years away from actual having these for sale then at dealers, these, these first ERVs Is that correct? yeah so our thinking is again that you know we are actually in no
1: hurry. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to make sure that the first vehicle that we come out with, it really exceeds customer expectations. and as I said it it merits the Winnebago badge or the yeah. you know a, any other uh, of our business units. So what we are thinking is that in the first phase, we will have a limited uh, production run, mm-hmm. which could be you know let's just say 50 to 100 units. Uh, We will put them out in the field. We will test them. You know, we will give them to customers, work with them, give them to dealers, and then we will come out with a full phased production approach. And so, yeah, I mean, my thinking right now is it's going to be a couple of years or so uh, Mm -hmm. by the time we see that come.
0: No, it makes perfect sense. You know, and and as the industry continues to ramp up on the supply and availability, right, of course, that's going to be a key element to be able to get, get the parts and get the items that you need from an electrification standpoint. Well, I I definitely look forward to at some point when you guys get a few more to coming down to Minneapolis on a visit and, and having a closer look, maybe spending a day with one or something like that. I'd love to see one, or if you're doing any, any tours, you know, uh, Uh, press type tours or public event tours across the nations, you know, please keep me in mind for that. Even if I have to go to Buffalo or whatever, (laughs) it's not a problem. It's not that far for, for here. Um, And, you know, it's great to hear that, you know, you do have your eyes set on the, on the larger size uh, RV marketplace, not just, you know, starting, starting where it makes sense, but eventually growing that. And I too believe that that there is a humongous growth potential for the RV marketplace in all those different sectors, um, including uh, towables, at some point uh, we're, we're we're seeing some technologies there. Uh, any final thoughts and, and comments for listeners out there?
1: Yeah, I would say that uh, you know we are poised at a really exciting stage uh, of evolution. I think in our lifetimes, you know, this is going to be one of the defining transitions uh, for us, and we definitely want to be front and center. And so for us. In our advanced technology group um, that has been doing this project, you know, in the business units, the engineers and developers, they focus on technologies which are a couple of years out, a year or two, mm-hmm. but they've got to build vehicles and sell them you know, every day, every week, every month, every quarter. We wanted a group of people to really look farther out, five, seven, 10 years out, but in a very customer-focused way, not to do science projects for the sake of doing science projects mm-hmm. but to really stay focused on customer needs and how we can meet those needs and i think for us as we go forward we will really continue to look at how we can refine these through a process of co-creation with our customers and dealers and you know industry commentators like yourself to say okay what do we need to develop which will completely you know blow our customers away so that's really going to be the focus, you know, for the next few years. We look forward to really working with a lot of uh, people on this. And what we've done is on our website, uh, www.winnebagoind.com, we've created a dedicated page, which is forward slash electric. So winnebagoind.com forward slash electric. Mm -hmm. And that's a sort of landing page, you know, for all of our electric uh, uh, materials. And uh, you can sign up to get updates from us, Uh, we want to reach out to customers to get more feedback and for sure kenneth we will keep you in mind for you know a test drive or you know a ride and drive so that we can share it on the show and you can give us your honest feedback of uh, of how that felt Uh, yeah uh, yeah it's an it's an exciting time for us to look forward to for the next few years
0: It absolutely is. And and, uh, I will put the link uh, in the the notes as well for the website. It's great that you're looking for feedback and uh, comments at this point. As you continue the electrification journey, I want to again thank uh, Mr. Ashish Abattacharya, the Senior Vice President of Business Development and Advanced Technologies for Winnebago Industries in the US. Thank you very much, sir. It was a great pleasure chatting with you today. And I learned a lot more about the RV industry that I thought I knew about prior to this. So, very educational. Thank you so much. It was great being on the show. Thank you, Kenneth. Thanks again for listening, folks. You can email me if you have comments. Email at evrevolutionshow at evrevolutionshowgmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at evrevshow. I'm also on Instagram, evrevolutionshow. And If you uh, have any suggestions for shows, please let me know. Thanks again for listening, and please, everybody stay safe. And until the next time, I'll see you when I see you.